Awesome. Thank you, choir. Hey, if you would, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Hold your spot there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is where, we are, uh, where we're going to be. And this is mainly, the, pretty much the only passage we're going to look at this morning is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So a little bit of a different message today. And uh, out of the ordinary, you've got um, a booklet in front of you. So you want to take that, you want to snag a pen as well if you've got one. Going to be a little audience participation as we move through some stuff today that's uh, going to be important, and uh, there's a little backstory to it as well that I'll get to here in just a little bit uh, as well. So got a little reverb in the monitors up here if we can try to try to pull that out if that's okay. So um, how many of you, I'm curious, how many of you would say that you are a planner? Let me see your hands. All right, quite a few. I was a little surprised for a service how many folks would put themselves in that category. How many of you would say that you are over the top planner. You're not just the average ordinary planner. You, it's just, it's kind of the way you roll and everybody else needs to get in line with you. Some of you wanted to raise your hand for the person you're seated, seated next to, I'm sure, right? Just to uh, make sure that that was emphasized. So in, in a lot of ways, I mean, we all have to be planners. I, I would say, I mean, I'm a planner because I have to be, not because it's necessarily worked into my DNA necessarily. I kind of like to leave room open for flexibility, but all of us have to plan. And and the thing is, uh, what's so important, and anybody who is a planner knows this, is you got to have a game plan in place. It, it, many of the things that we have to get done, that we need to get done, go undone simply because there was not a game plan. Say, for example, you've got a space in, in your house or your apartment where you live that you've been wanting to get to. Maybe it's the garage, you've been wanting to declutter, maybe it's a certain room, maybe you've wanted to turn one room into a different room, like a spare bedroom into a craft room or something and the reason you haven't decluttered, the reason you haven't made that change is because you didn't really have a game plan in place. And every time you open that door, it was just this sense of overwhelming, uh, um, j- just uh, stress. And it's like, I-, I can't even begin to figure out where to start here because you didn't have a plan. And the reason that it didn't ever get decluttered, the reason that it never got done was because there was no plan in place. You didn't have a game plan. And so it just went undone. When you look in the sports world, you know, here it is fall, just about, and, uh, and with fall comes football, college football, pro football as well. And when you look at football, when you watch it on TV, at the very base level, what's happening is you got a group of guys over here on one side of the line that are huddling up, calling a play in private, and then you've got another group of guys over here on the other side of the line, they're huddling up, they're calling a play in private, and, and, and really where, what it all comes to is which of these two groups can do in public what they just called in private the best, right? You've got an offensive unit over here all week long. They've been game planning. They've been scheming to figure out what is our game plan going to be in order to be able to score against that defense on the other side of the line, right? Are we going to predominantly throw the ball? We're going to run the ball. We're going to have a blend. What are we going to do? And we need a game plan to help us to score against this defense we're about to play. And on the other side of the line of scrimmage, you've got a defense in place and they've been scheming all week long. The coaching staff has looked at film. They've put together a game plan to determine what do we need to do to keep that other team on the other side of the line from scoring against our defense. And it all comes down to game plan. Well, here's the thing. Whenever we begin to look in every area of our lives, game plans are important. And the reason often that we don't experience success in different areas of our lives is because we just didn't have a game plan. We didn't have a plan in place. 
And when we look at our spiritual lives, sometimes the reason that we don't grow in our faith is because we didn't really have a game plan. We just sort of shot from the hip. We just sort of tried to see where it all would play out. And, and, and as a result, we stay superficial in our faith. We don't ever really go deep in our faith because there was no game plan. And also, even on top of that, many times the reason that churches, whether it be this church or any other church, and the reason that Christians really have limited influence on other people with the gospel is because we don't have a game plan in place. Well, today, that's what I want to remedy. That's what I want to address. In a, in a different way, not every message is like this. You're going to have an opportunity to be able to fill in some blanks, to actually do something during this message, which is a good thing. I'm not going to put you on display. I'm not going to ask anybody to come up front and demonstrate anything that you're going to learn today. But we are going to do something a little different out of the ordinary to put in place a game plan that, that we call the evangelism game plan, or even better, the gospel conversation game plan. How can I game plan to use my life to have gospel conversations that can impact eternity, that can impact forever with people around me. Now, some of you have been through this before in the past couple of years or so. If that's the case, if you've been through this uh, in a special event that we've done here, then this will be a refresher for you. But most of you have probably never been exposed to this before. And today, what I want to do is to send you out here with a game plan. It's up to you to implement it, but a game plan in regards to how you can have gospel conversations with people around you. It's going to be super practical, and uh, and yet there's a there's a kind of a a backstory to it as well. So so two weeks ago, or three weeks ago or so, we finished up a series that I've been in through the summer called Road Trip. And, and then the next Sunday, I preached a message, this was two weeks ago, uh, called Both And. And I even mentioned there that this is a standalone message. Uh, it, it, it really is not part of a series. I don't plan to start a brand new series until uh, just after Labor Day. And, uh, and, I, and so I said, that's a standalone message. Well, what I didn't realize was now three Sundays into this thing, it's sort of become a series that's not really a series. It's the non-series message series. That's what this has become. So two weeks ago, we talked about this message, both and. And what I talked about there real quickly was just simply the fact that there are things that can't afford to be separated or unless they lose their punch, right? Like peanut butter and jelly. Uh, when, when you separate them, not nearly as good as when you put them together and you make a sandwich out of it, right? They're designed to be together. And for us as Christians, growth and mission are the same thing. Some believers are so into growing as a believer, which is a good thing, all about Bible studies. They got two, three, four different Bible studies going at one time, right? Always in church every time the doors are open. All of those are great, but sometimes it's to the neglect of actually living on mission, and what happens is the focus is all in here in our heart to the neglect of the people that are out there. Churches can be the same way. It's all about programs in here to the neglect of those who need Christ out there. There's a balance. It's both and. It's growth and mission, and I made the 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 the, the point two weeks ago that the outflow of spiritual growth is that we will live a life on mission for Christ. And then last Sunday, it just kind of dovetailed into what we focused last Sunday. We looked at the word world, and we talked about how world is dealt with in at least three different ways in the New Testament. One refers to God's literal world that he created, the heavens and the earth. We're supposed to be good stewards of that. We talked about how the world in the New Testament also refers to kind of that mindset that is anti-God, anti-His Word, anti-truth, that, that lives without God on the agenda, pushes Him to the curb, kicks Him to the curb, doesn't care about, even is opposed to Him and His Word and His will and His ways. And, 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 and so what we need to do with that is we resist it, all right? We resist the world in that context, 
But then we looked at a third use of the word world last Sunday, and it talked about the humanity, the people that God's created. For God so loved the world, the people, right, that he sent his son Jesus to die so that we can have ultimately through life in him everlasting life. And so we went from living on mission to sharing the gospel. That's the response to sharing the gospel with those that Jesus died for, sharing the gospel with those that God has created who inhabit this world, whether around the world or across the street. And so today is just going to kind of add to that, to where we're going to help put a plan in place. So that if you say, you know what, I want to live on mission. You know what, I, I don't want it to be all about just my growth. I want to reach people out there as well. And, and I want to love the world and reach the world with the message of the gospel. But I have no game plan in place. That's what we're going to remedy today in a way that, that is going to be beneficial, in a way that's going to be incredibly practical, and, uh, but in a way that's going to be up to you to ultimately put into place. So let's go ahead and jump in. So you've got in front of you uh, this booklet says Evangelism Game Plan or Gospel Conversation Game Plan. And the thought is, right, there's this person at work or this person who's a neighbor or maybe there's a fellow parent, you know, who, who's um, a parent of some kind of a soccer mom or soccer dad. Or maybe there's a friend of yours on campus if you're a student. And, and you thought, you know what, best I can tell, they really don't have a relationship with God. God's not really on the agenda. I have a relationship with God and I want to have an influence on them. So how do I do it? In fact, maybe it even starts with why should I even do this in the first place? Well, the why is answered by the passage of Scripture that we've turned to this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through verse 20. So this is a passage that Paul is writing after Jesus has come. He's been crucified. He's been resurrected. He's going back to the Father. Now there's a church in place. This one is in Corinth. Paul is writing a letter to him. And look at what he says here, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 through 20. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. So if you don't mind writing in your Bible, you can circle that word new. He is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself. In other words, he fixed the brokenness of our lives through Christ, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So we've accepted Christ, right, those of us who have, and now we have a task. We are also to put Christ on display and to share that message of the gospel. Verse 19, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. If you don't mind writing in your Bible, circle that word in verse 20, ambassadors. What is an ambassador? An ambassador represents the interests of, of their own country, right? That's what a political ambassador does. They represent the interests of their country, and they look to expand their kingdom's influence. He says here that we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So you look at your, at your first page there. Let's go ahead and bring that one up specifically. And on the very top level there, on that top line, why... Should we have gospel conversations? Why do we need an evangelism game plan, a gospel conversation game plan? You can write in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. It's because of this. It's because you've been made a brand new person 
as a Christian. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a brand new person on the inside, and you know how good new, what good news that is. You know how good it is that you're not the same person you used to be whenever sin characterized your life. You know how much better it is now that Christ characterizes your life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20 has given you a new identity. On that page there on the bottom, underneath that little, st- uh, that, that little person there, you can write the word new. You're a new creature. And over in the world there, you are also an ambassador. You're new on the inside, but you've been sent to the outside, to the world, right? Again, whether that's someone in your circle of influence on your campus, in your family, in, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in the place where you hang out, where you work out, where you lift, where you play golf, where you do crafts, whatever it is, right? You're called to be an ambassador there. That's why we have to have a game plan plan. That's why. It's, it's, it's because we're new and we are called to be ambassadors. The average person has 27 conversations a day. 27. Now, some of you are shocked by that number. You're thinking, there's no way. I have easy 150 conversations a day, right? Well, that, that's because of the type of person you are. I mean, you're, you're sort of maybe out, out you're, you're, you're outward focused, you're, you're, um, uh, you're an extrovert, right? It's easy for you to have conversations. 27 is really low for you. Others, if you think about here, if you think about having 27 conversations a day, you think, you know what, I'll die. I, I can't have 27 conversations in a day. Either I don't want to or I'm, I just can't do it. I'm, I'm too shy or I'm too introverted or what have you. But on average, what research shows, 27 conversations a day. But how many of those conversations actually have have anything to do with any spiritual value? Probably very few. Maybe even for you, whenever you evaluate that in your, in, in your own life, you, you may say, you know what, pretty much none. I mean, none of them, unless I'm, unless I'm in church. I mean, yeah, I'm, if I'm in a grow group, I may say something that's spiritual in nature, but really in the workplace or in my neighborhood, when I see you know, my neighbor across the street or I'm at the ball field or wherever, you know what, none of my conversations are gospel-centered in nature. When you think about it, however, it's not because the door hasn't opened. It's just because you've never had a game plan to go there. And sometimes the door opens, right? Sometimes somebody, you'll just ask a question, hey, how are things going today? And they'll say something about a challenge or a trial or a difficulty in their life. You know, and that's a wide open door to steer that conversation to the gospel in a way that's very natural, in a way that, that, that fits, But sometimes you can help to crack that door open as well if you're only willing to take a little bit of a bold step. So why do we have gospel conversations? It's because of our identity as new ambassadors of Jesus. So so what is a gospel conversation? Let's look at the next slide. What is a gospel conversation? Well, you may be surprised that that I'm not just going to share an actual presentation for you to memorize here today. Some of you have those memorized, and they're, very, they're incredibly effective, but for some, they're, they're, they create fear and stress because you're not really good at memorizing. We're not talking about memorizing a presentation today. We're just talking about having a conversation. And sometimes, there's kind of like three elements to this. Sometimes a gospel conversation starts with what we call care through prayer. And I don't know if you can read that on the screen there, but it just simply says, you can fill in the blank there, it just simply says, do you have any needs that I can pray for today? kind of put it in your own words. Do you have any needs that I can pray for today, or is there anything I can pray for? Whatever fits for you, just go ahead and jot it down, right? You got a pen, you got paper. Um, just jot it down. Put that on your sheet right now. And here's how it plays out. Let's just say maybe you're at a restaurant, and uh, it's a restaurant you go to fairly frequently. You might even know the person's name that, that waits the table 
you know, whether it's a waiter or waitress, and, uh, and you're there at the restaurant, and you're, you're ordered, and they've brought the food, and, you know, that waiter, that waitress is about to slip off real quick to another table, and, and yet you've never really thought about saying, hey, real quick, we're, we're going to ask God to bless our food. Is there anything we can pray for for you today? Sometimes they'll say, well, no, I can't really think of anything. Sometimes they will just open up and unload, right, because it's been a hard week, or it's been a hard month, or it's been a hard year. And nobody has ever asked them, how can I take what matters to you to God in prayer? And what sometimes will happen is it opens the door for a gospel conversation. Now, in a restaurant setting, it may be over a matter of weeks, unless you eat there every day, then it may be a matter of days, right? But if it's a, if it's a friend of yours or if it's a neighbor and, and you've never asked this question, yes, it takes boldness. And yes, it is, a, it is a step out of the comfort zone. But you can maybe even say something like, you know what, I, you and I have been friends for years. Right? And I've never asked. I did this with a buddy of mine just a few months ago. And I've uh, been friends for years and uh, never asked this question to him. And maybe for you, you can say, hey, you know what, we play golf all, together all these years. And man, I've never, you know, you know I go to church and, and, and you know that... Um, that's important to me, but I've never asked you, is there anything I can pray for? And what happens is, is that you as a Christian are so accustomed, right? You're in a church right now. We've prayed probably three or four times already, right? I mean, you're just accustomed to this. It's a part of the, the fabric of your daily routine. You probably pray every day. There are people in your workplace and on your campus. There are people in the places where you, where, where you work, where you live, where you play. Nobody ever prays for them. They don't pray for themselves. And yet there's something in there, right, that when, when they know somebody's praying for them, it means something to them that maybe for you, that's kind of lost its flash because it's so much a part of the routine of your life. For them, it's ne- it never happens, when you say, hey, is there anything I can pray for for you? They think, yeah, I've got a, I, I've got a grandchild who's breaking my heart. Yeah, I've got a family member who just got diagnosed. Yeah, I have a meeting with the boss next week, and I don't know how it's going to go. And suddenly, divinely, there's a person there who knows the king of the universe who's saying, hey, I'm just asking, is there anything I can pray for? You know what? I count that as a gospel conversation. If you were to ask me, Brooks, did you have a gospel conversation last week? And if I had asked someone this question, I would count that as a gospel conversation. I would say, yep, I sure did. Because what that means was we steered the gospel, or we steered the conversation to something spiritual and trusted the results to God. Now, this isn't the gospel, but it's part of the conversation. That's one way you can start care through prayer. A second way that you can lead into the gospel, that you can kind of build out that gospel conversation, is through what's called the 15-second testimony. Let's bring that one up. You've got it right there in front of you on on that page, kind of that next one down. And if you read it, it just simply says 15-second testimony. This is your Christian story in 15 seconds. Now, I know some of you can share it in, in you know, 15 minutes or an hour or longer or whatever. This is 15 seconds because most people don't have that long. Sometimes what you can do is you can just make a statement. And you see it written there that just simply says, you know, there was a time in my life when I was. And then you see two blanks there. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to, to think about what two words or what two phrases sort of capture what your life was like before you had a relationship with God. What two words come to mind? When you think about what you were like back before you knew Jesus, was your life characterized by just being fearful? Was there a lot of guilt? Was there shame? Was there loneliness? Was there just this overwhelming sense of stress? Or, you know what, I was so driven, I had to succeed at everything. I mean, what what two words come to mind? And I want you to jot those two words there. 
of what really captured your life before you had a relationship with Jesus. There's no right or wrong answer here. It's your life. You're just kind of picking out two words. Again, whether you were fearful, guilty, driven, whatever it may be. What two words sort of capture, and you can, you can add to this later if you want to, but just right now, what two words come to mind? So you're in a conversation with someone, you feel compelled to just kind of share a little bit of your story. You know, maybe they've unloaded a little bit of just some challenge they're facing, and it really reminds you of what your life was like back then. You know, there was a time in my life when I was this and this. And then you see these next two lines underneath the cross. This is where you talk about having met Jesus. And you just say something like, but then I heard the good news about Jesus. And now I am, you can write in forgiven if you need a little help here. You can write in a follower if you need a little help there. Now I'm forgiven, now I'm a follower of Christ. And the last two blanks over there on the right, you just put two words or phrases that capture what he's done for you now since your relationship. A lot of times they'll, they'll sort of resolve what was on the left-hand column, right? You know, before I met Jesus, I was just always guilty. But then I heard the good news about Jesus, and now I have peace, right? Or maybe for you, it was, you know, you were, you were afraid. You were lonely. But then I heard the good news about Jesus, and now I'm forgiven. I'm a follower, and have a sense of security that I never had before. So what, what two words or phrases kind of capture what he's done in your life since you met him? And this is your 15-second testimony. So you're at work, somebody says, man, I'm just I'm up against it. You know, I'm, uh, you know, I've got this challenge and this challenge coming up. And, you know, you just feel compelled to say, you know what, there was a time in my life when I felt that same exact thing. There was a time in my life when I was this and this, but then I heard the good news about Jesus. Now I know I'm forgiven. I know that I'm right with God. And now I have peace. I have joy. And then you ask that all-important question at the very end. Do you have a story like that? And, and it's that personal story that nobody can refute that opens that door sometimes a little bit further to have a gospel conversation. In fact, if you share this, you're full-blown in it, right? You're having that gospel conversation with that coworker in the next cubicle. You're having that gospel conversation at work in the break room or on campus with that friend or after practice with your teammate, right? You're having that conversation. It doesn't mean you always share your testimony, but sometimes, right, you're ready and God opens the door to where it, that's, that other person, something about their story just resonates, and you can roll into your own story. Just a little 15-second testimony. So you ask a person, how can I pray for you? You share your 15-second testimony, but you still haven't gotten to the message of the gospel. How do you do that? Look at the very bottom of that page that we're on. You're going to see the slide behind me. This is a great way to share the gospel. You can do it in three minutes. You can do it in 30 minutes. You can add a bunch of Bible verses if you want, or you can, you can just use no Bible verses or just one or two that you know well, like John 3.16, and you can just have conversation. You can write this out on a little napkin. You can draw it out of the sand. You can just explain it. It's called the three circles. We train our teams on mission 
in Cuba, I've shared this over and over, sitting in different houses with some of you out there, actually, as well. And it is a great way to just conversationally share the gospel without being scared to death that you're going to forget a verse or miss a transition or forget that line that you memorized, you know, on section two, subset A, little one, you know. <laughs> yeah, you don't worry, it's just a conversation. So how do you do it? Well, this is the gospel right here. You start at the very top with God's design. None of these things, if you're a follower of Jesus, none of this is new information. You've just never thought about presenting it like this in, in the context of a game plan, right? You can just say something like this. You know, all of us have, uh, or all of us have seen evidence that, of God's design, right? You look out in the universe, you look out in the world, you see God's design. Well, there's evidence of God's design all around us. And yet at the same time, you're just kind of going where the conversation leads with whatever fits for you. If it was me, I'd say, but when you look around and you turn on the news or you scroll through your news feeds, it's real evident that our world isn't experiencing God's design very often, right? In fact, a lot of people are experiencing something exactly the opposite. Have you ever wondered why that is? The Bible tells us really clearly the reason for that, and then you draw this little arrow there. The reason is because of sin, All of us have broken God's laws. All of us have walked away from God in different ways in our lives. And the Bible calls that sin. And what sin brings, ultimately, you look at that next circle, is you just draw a little circle and you write in the word brokenness. Sin brings brokenness. There are a lot of broken people in life, right? We've all experienced brokenness before. Maybe it was guilt. Maybe it was shame. Maybe it was regret. Maybe it was heartache. And when you, when you look at these little arrows, you see those little squiggly arrows going out. You just sort of draw those out there. And you just say, you know, a lot of us try different things to mend our own brokenness. And those different arrows represent some of the different things we try to heal our own brokenness. For some people, it's, you know what, if I can just get a new job, if I can just have a little more money, or if I can just meet that right person, right? Or if I can just start a brand new relationship, maybe the brokenness of my life will get better. For some people, their efforts to to heal their own brokenness ends up bringing more issues on top of it, right? It makes the brokenness even more broken, you know, whether it's drugs or alcohol or wrong choices, wrong decisions, right? And it just makes the brokenness even deeper. The truth is we can't heal our own brokenness But the good news is that God offers healing for us. And it's in this third circle that you draw that circle and you write the word gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is a simple message that Jesus, God himself, came to earth, lived a sinless, perfect life, died on the cross to pay for our sin that has created so much brokenness. He rose again from the dead and he will take over every life that calls on him in faith. It's the simple message. I just shared with you the gospel in about 10 seconds. It's not enough just to know it, however. You see, there's another arrow there. The way we move from brokenness to Jesus, to the gospel, is that we repent and we believe. Or maybe for you, repent and believe, those words don't, they don't seem to be as clear. Maybe you can say turn and trust. Right? We turn from our sin, we repent of our sin, And then we trust Jesus, we believe in Christ to the point to where we choose to follow him. And what happens is when we make that decision to turn from our sin, to trust Jesus alone, inviting him to take over our lives, what happens is is that we see God's design recovered in our lives. We begin to a brand new relationship with him that we also pursue deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's this little simple 
gospel conversation that helps a person to see. And it's amazing because your responsibility is not to change their heart. Your responsibility is not to convince them to follow Jesus on their own. Your responsibility as an ambassador is just to say, here's the truth. Here's what's available. There's help available. The gospel is not a big help wanted sign where God is somehow in need and he's hanging out this sign. Help wanted, please come. Help me to do what I want done in the world. No, it's not a help wanted sign. It's a help available sign. That's what the gospel is. And you're surrounded by people in the midst of brokenness and they're searching and they're lost and the Holy Spirit has been working in their lives. And now here he brings you along as a kind of a divine encounter, so to speak. And you're able to share this simple message, drawn in the sand, drawn on a napkin, explain with clarity just three simple circles that tell how we move, why we're in brokenness, and how we move out of it to a relationship with God as you share the message of the gospel. And you share that, and you just simply ask them, hey, which of these three circles represents your life the best right now? And a lot of them are going to say, well, it's that second one on the right because I feel like something's missing. I feel like I'm broken. Well, which one would you like to represent your life? And if they say, well, I'm not ready for Jesus. All right, it's fine. It's up to you. But you know what to do when you are ready. All right? But there'll be those that'll say, you know what? God brought you here <laughs> because I'm tired of being in brokenness and I'm ready for a relationship with God. What do I do next? And you just simply lead them to pray and give their lives to Christ. You know what's ironic is we got 300 seats in this room. I'm guessing as I look around, we've probably got 260 people in here right now, probably 90, 95% full in this room right now. And there's not a guarantee that every single person even in here right now has made the decision that I've just talked about. And for some of you, you're at that place where you are just broken on the inside. And you've tried to remedy that brokenness and you've tried to fix it on your own and it's only made that hole deeper and it's only made it darker. And you've been to church before, obviously. You're here right now. You've tried to live a good life and I'm sure many of you have done that. You've hit the bullseye. But you've never come to that place where you've made the decision to repent and believe, to turn from your sin and to trust Christ alone. And it's only when that happens that your relationship with God begins. But here's what I'm telling you. When it begins, you become a brand new person on the inside. And he gives you a brand new life and he promises he'll never leave you. That's the message of the gospel. You look over on the next page and you see kind of the who. Well, who do I share with? Who do I, who, who's this game playing for, right? So if I know what to share and, 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 and I know how to introduce people to Jesus now and my plan is kind of taking shape, well, who do I go to? Well, you'll see there a little chart. Some of you have seen this before. In the very middle is a little house. Well, let's just say that represents your house. I'm going to give you just, just about a minute or so to kickstart this, get it going. You're going to finish this at home. And where it says letter A in each of those, I want you to write a name, the name of one of your neighbors who lives in proximity to you. Now, no one's neighborhood is laid out like this. <laughs> My house is <laughs> in the middle of a square. So I understand that. Kind of roll with me on this. But I want you to think about your physical neighborhood. And, and in each box, all eight of those where there's a letter A, I want you to write the name of one of your neighbors. All right, the best you can. And I'm going to give you about 45 to 60 seconds to do it. I wish I had some handwriting music, but I don't. So only mark, get set, go. Right? You're writing just the name, first name, last name, whatever it is, and uh, as many of those as you can of the neighbors that are in closest proximity to you. All right, pencils down. 
I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> I felt really good. <laughs> I know why you guys are teachers now, those of you that are teachers. So um, how many, I'm just curious, I, I, could, I could not have said this, um, but how many of you know the first names? How many of you feel all laid up with the name of, of your neighbors? All right, I'm guessing maybe 10, 12, maybe 15 out of 260 or so. Um, if you couldn't do it, th- this is kind of your homework, right? You get to know your neighbors because it's really hard to demonstrate love to them if you don't know their name. And I know it's kind of awkward, and it may be like, hey, man, my name is Brooks, and I live across the street. Well, don't say Brooks if that's not really your name. That'd be even worse. But it's like, we've lived across the street for eight years, and I know, I mean, I know we talk all the time, but, man, I've never introduced myself, and I, I've never really even gotten your name. Can you, forgive me, but can you tell me what your name is? Yeah, yeah it's awkward, but now you're going to know their name, and you see them outside, and it's like, hey, you can wave at them and have conversation. Somewhere along the way, you know, it may be, hey, listen, we just got back from church, and, um, Man, is there anything I could ever pray for you? If there is, let me know. And off you go, right? That door's cracked open a little bit. But it, but it helps to know the people that are around you. Sometimes you can replace that house in the middle there with your cubicle, with your office, with your desk. You got coworkers that are around you, some of whom really you never really have a whole lot of conversation with. Maybe this can be the people on your campus that are closest to you. Maybe it's the people in your golf group that you play golf with or those folks that you go out with every month or so and and yet you just, you really don't know a whole lot about them beyond the superficial. On your own, when you get home, that letter B is just write down a fact about that person, and then the letter C is something a little bit deeper. Maybe the fact is they drive a red Toyota. Yeah. Maybe the letter C, something about them is they just got laid off their, from their job a month ago, right? And what happens is there's a lot of blanks probably for most in here because we don't know the people God's put closest to us. Part of the game plan is, how can I get to know the people that are closest to me in my circles of influence? Right? So why do we do it? Because we're new. God made us new. He made us ambassadors. What does a gospel conversation look like? Well, sometimes it looks like just asking, how can I pray for you? Sometimes it's us sharing a little bit of our story. In like 15 seconds, you don't have to memorize a script. Sometimes it's sharing the gospel. It was just three little circles and three little arrows of a story that you already know anyway. You've just never put it together as a conversation piece. Well, when do we do it? That's the back page, and we'll wrap it up with this. That's really kind of up to you. I want you to decide today if you're ready for this and if you're ready to take a step one step further in having gospel conversations. The very top bullet there, it says, and then we can bring up this last slide too if we can, um, the one that says goals, where it says, I will pray for those on my neighbor map every, you write down however often you can pray for your neighbors, right? Whether that's every week, every month, every year, hopefully it's more frequently than that, every day, right? Every meal, whatever. We have magnets for these maps, which is really cool. You can put them in your fridge. Every time you get a snack, you can pray for your neighbors. I'll leave that there. I won't make any comments, right? But if it's my neighbors, they'd be prayed for really often, if that were the case. So I'm going to pray for those in my neighbor map every however often. I will aim for X amount of gospel conversations this, whatever it may be. It may be I'm going to aim for one gospel conversation this week or this month, or I'm going to aim for five this month. Write down whatever you're willing to embrace. Make it a goal, and then I will take the 31410 challenge, yes or no. You're not turning these in. This is just kind of an accountability piece for you. What's the 31410 challenge? Well, you see it there. The three, this is our zip code, by the way, where the church is. The three is I'm going to pray for three lost people, people who don't have a relationship with Christ, best that you know. 
The one is I'm going to learn one way to share the gospel. Check. You've done that already. It's called the three circles. Four is I'm going to invite four people to church or your grow group, right? If you're part of one of our Bible study groups. The, the next one is I'm going to share the gospel with one person. I'm going to make this my goal. And then let's see zero people left behind. I mean, we've got you know, a lot of people here that come weekly. What if we all engage and mobilize with this mentality that I'm going to live on mission where God's put me? I'm going to live as a missionary because I'm an ambassador of Christ, and I'm going to live on mission, and now I've got a game plan, and I know the Holy Spirit's going to give me strength and give me courage, and I'm going to take that step into the unknown, and I want God to use me on mission. And my knees are going to knock a little bit, my hands are going to get a little sweaty, and, 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 I, and I'm not sure if I'm going to say everything that I'm supposed to, that's okay, none of us do, but you know what, I'm just going to take this step of faith and let God use me. And you set yourself a goal, and off you go with it. Now, we don't have this on the sheet of paper here, but if you want a couple of resources, these might be helpful. One is a resource, it's an app on your phone, and uh, if you're on an iPhone, I know this, you, this works, somebody after the first service told me it works uh, uh, on uh, Android devices as well. If you type in just simply this, this phrase, life on mission, go to the app store on your phone. Those of you that use your phone often, go to the app store, type in life on mission, and it will bring up an app with two little text boxes up there, like little cartoon conversation boxes. I wish I had a thought to put that on the screen. I didn't. And what that is, is it's going to be that Three Circles app, and it's going to show you in there, it's going to have the resources if you nose around a little bit. You'll get to see a four-minute video of the Three Circles shared, right, as an example. There are going to be other resources on there for you. And so that's an app that's helpful, Life on Mission. I would encourage you to download it. You'll have it with you. It's also in print there on that app. And then the other is our own church app, our FBC Islands church app, which we have listed on the very back page of the newsletter you got this morning. It tells how to access that app for yourself. If you go to that app and uh, the three dots that say more there on that app, if you click there, it'll take you to something we call our Everyday Missionary Initiative. And uh, there is a ton of resources on there to help you to sharpen your toolbox in living on mission every single day. Most of us don't do what we're supposed to many times with those special projects because we didn't have a plan. When we put the plan in place, we clear out that garage, right? We get that project we've been putting off for so long done because we had a plan. And it's no different as it comes to gospel conversations. You got a plan today, right? You got a plan in place. You got a God who says, I'll go with you and I'm never going to leave you. You got a Holy Spirit who indwells you that's going to guide you and use you and who can change the heart of the person that you're going to speak with. It's not up to you to change their heart. Don't put that pressure on yourself. Only God can do it. Just obey. Go with the gospel. And he'll take it from there. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you heard that gospel today. And God's not waiting for you to jump through a bunch of hoops to know him or to get your life cleaned up. He just wants your trust and he wants your heart. And when you place your faith in Jesus and choose to follow him, he'll save you, he'll wipe your heart clean, and he'll never leave you. I promise. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity today to go a little bit longer than the norm, but at the same time to kind of step out of the norm and do a little training session, really, with a practical element to it, Lord, so that we can be mobilized into this community and as we leave this place in just a matter of minutes, God, through the course of this week, we're going to go a thousand different places. Some are going to travel on airplanes to other countries, to other cities and other states. Others are going to go to campuses, 
high school, college. Others are going to go to a variety of workplaces and hospitals and in schools and businesses. Others are going to be uh, a part of their own neighborhood, and they're going to be in relationship and conversation with folks right there close to where they live. And yet, Lord, you've put us in those places on mission, and we can only imagine what the impact would be if we're willing to put in place a plan to be able to help have conversations that are natural and that are normal just to help others to see who you are and how much you love them. And so God, help us to take the step, a bold step, kind of into that unknown territory, into the new territory that's out of our comfort zone because we know how much can be accomplished if we do. Use us, we pray, and we pray that you'll get the glory for what happens as a result. For it's in Jesus' name, amen.